Hello, my name is Jeff Pagano and welcome to Harping on Rugby, where with the help of fellow fans, I get the chance to harp on what's going on with Leinster, Ireland and the wider rugby world. Joining me to discuss the latest off-season rugby topics is someone back for his 38th Harp and Cap. A warm welcome back to Mr. Mark Jackson. Uh, good evening, Jeff. Thanks for having me again. No problem at all. How's the off-season been treating you? Uh, slow, bit boring. As for anybody with the, with the rugby love that we have, it's, uh, it's nice this weekend actually to, to get some rugby again after having a couple of weeks of having to watch cricket and football and Oh God, those yeah. Other, those those other odd shape ball sports that just don't really compute in my head. But yeah, um, it's a good weekend and, and a good chance to to harp on some of the stuff that we saw yesterday and today. Absolutely. Well, why don't why don't we get a crack? And we're going to focus later on the uh, under twenties. But the, there's been some other rugby going on around the place. Why don't we start uh, down the southern hemisphere? They had the Super Rugby final. Um, for us, it was early on uh, Saturday morning, and uh, we had the Crusaders winning yet again as twenty five twenty over the Chiefs, who were first seed going into the, the playoffs. What did you make of that match? Very physical early doors. There was from a, from a, a non All Black supporter point of view, it must have been good because you saw. Lots of big guys knocking, knocking lumps out one another. You know, Retallick and, and the White Locks got 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 close, and Scott Barrett as well. And and I thought Luke Jacobson had had a really good um, initial initial uh, forays into the game. It was it was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. I have to admit, you know, the, the semi final results had the the Chiefs sort of scrape in with the last five ten minute try against the Brumbies, who put it up to them. Um, and the the Blues took a shellacking from the the Crusaders, so I expected the Crusaders um, to win a little bit more comfortably. But fair play to the Chiefs; they stuck in there physically all all day. And probably the big takeaway for me was the Crusaders when they got near the line were ruthless, and the Chiefs weren't. Um, and the other thing was discipline that let the Chiefs down probably in the end. Um, but a, but a very physical game. Um, conditions weren't ideal for open and running rugby, but. I think there's a couple of players who who had a a um, a bee in their bonnet to show the All Black selectors why they've been left out, particularly uh, Sean Stevenson, a fullback who's been a bit of a bit of a revelation. And if that guy's not getting picked because he's got weak defence, then the All Blacks must be already shoe ins for the for the Rugby World Cup because the guy's on a different level. Him and Will Jordan are just. You know, any team in the world would love to have them at fullback. You know, even Ireland, as good as Hugo Keenan is, there's something about the way both those guys attack that that is just is is a sublime. Yeah, and uh, there was a bit of uh, controversy there at the start. It didn't uh, didn't officially affect the results at the end, I suppose. But we're all talking about these uh, head collisions and how they're dealt with, and they have they're they're trialing a new system of doing it uh, now in Super Rugby. Uh, you had a uh, Leonard Brown. Um, it was right after uh, I think the Crusaders had just taken the lead. This is from the restart, and uh, Leonard Brown kind of went in on. I think it was Dallas McLeod who had taken yeah. the catch, and uh, there was a head collision. How, how do you think that was handled? Very poorly. Um, I think I don't think it's a cop out in terms of allowing referees to say it's yellow. We'll put them on review and then put it in the hands of the TMO. The referee was right. If you look at the, the freeze frames, he's there right in front of him. You mm. know, and I know it's a very, very heavy collision, very quick done. But as soon as you see the slow mo and you see what the TMO sees, I don't know how that's not a red card. Mm -hmm. The only reason I know it's not a red card is because it's New Zealand. 
any other country in the world, even the Australians would probably say it might have been a yellow slash orange card. But those two countries seem to, to think that they've got special dispensation not to give red cards out. Um, if that was Northern Hemisphere or South African rugby, that's a stonewall red card all day long. There's no mitigation. He's not dropping height. He's not changing direction lately. All the all the steps that you're that that they're told, you know, anybody with half a rugby brain would just go, "That's exactly what they're trying to stop." And it didn't take the TMO too long to get onto the referee either to say um, yellow card sanctioned. Uh, he'll be back on in 20 minutes or 10 minutes or whatever. No, no more, no further sanction. And I was a bit baffled as we were on the, on the, on the WhatsApp group, as people were on Twitter and every other part of the rugby sphere. Yeah. I mean, it's the whole thing of, um, I mean, it's like you, on the one hand, you've got the, the head injury concerns and you, you're, you were, it's what we're trying to stamp out and there's concussions and there's long-term damage and all that stuff. But on the and, and it's that going straight up against, um, the desire not to have us hanging around waiting for decisions, you know, impatient fans wanting to get back on with the game. But plus there's the, 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 the whole notion of not wanting to ruin a game in the 10th minute uh, of a final, like, you know, and it's, 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 that's the reason for those laws and the reason for their passing it on. But like you say, the, the referee, I suppose, did the right thing, passing it on saying yellow, it's going to be looked at the, but the TMO looked at it and said uh, there were mitigating circumstances, but it's still been cited since. So it's going to yeah. be looked at again, apparently, which is, which is, which is really odd, which is going to make. Um, and so if that ends up to say it was a red card, there's going to be, you know, I know it didn't affect the result, but it's just going to make the whole thing look strange, but still um, it was a, uh, it, 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 but over, but overall, it was it, it was an interesting find. The lead changed hands a couple of times. Uh, what did you think? Um, like right at the end there, it, um, when they were close, Mackenzie had a chance to put them ahead, but he it was a kick kind of out of his range. Do you think it was right to go for that? Yeah, I think I think he was because earlier on in the season he was kicking some absolute boomers, and it probably was just a little bit too late in the. The, uh, the strength of the legs may not have been as, as what it was if it was 10, 15 minutes into the game. The big reasoning behind it would be it was pretty much straight in front, I think slightly to the left of the post, but the Chiefs' line-out was a bit of a lottery. You know, you're going up against probably one of the best defensive line-outs in, in World Rugby, in the Crusaders. They've got a couple of tall trees there that, that have always... Uh, always caused havoc and they've got a, an unbelievable mall defense. So what purchase were you going to get out of that? It's, you know, he, he also had enough time to think, think potentially, you know, there's six minutes left or was it five and a half minutes left or somebody kicked it. We might get another chance. So if we get this chance, we might defend it. Um, you got to, you got to back to play. The player wants it, give it to him. You know, you got to, you got to back him on it. But I would have said their woes at line out time um, would have potentially played on the, the skippers' minds there and as to what they wanted to do. Okay, so um, well, let's move on then. And uh, we're going to gonna harp a bit on the um, Irish men's sevens who are hoping to uh, join their female counterparts in qualifying for the Olympics in Paris 2024. Um, they're taking part in the, it's called the European Games. That's a, it's a sort of like a mini Olympics for European countries in all sports, but this is rugby sevens and they're in a tournament. Uh, it's a 12-team tournament over in Krakow in uh, Poland. 
And uh, basically the winner of the tournament qualifies. I think that's it. So there's only one place um, up for grabs there. And uh, they're in a pool with uh, Poland, Italy and Germany first. And uh, they had it pretty comfortable today so far. Yeah, Poland to the sword. To score anything over 30 points in a sevens game is impressive. To score over 50 is ridiculous. And to score 66 points in 14 minutes, um, it's a double-edged sword, though. It's the quality of the opposition. But also, you look at that Irish squad, um, there's quality through and through. They've had a bit of an up-and-down season. You know, they've, they've flattered to deceive at times and then pulled out the odd result where you probably wouldn't, wouldn't expect them to. Here, I expect them to fully go on tomorrow morning. I think it's early tomorrow afternoon they play Germany mm-hmm. um, and put a similar score that they did against Italy. They did another solid game against Italy and it took Italy to score uh, a pretty special try to break the defence. The defence was solid both games throughout. Restarts were good. Restarts are key in sevens. But for me, the best thing of the weekend so far is to see Terry Kennedy back. Yes, you know, absolutely. He's had, a bit, he's had a bit of a rest, looks refreshed. Um and he wasn't voted World Player of the Year for nothing. You know, the guy's just oozes class. But he, what, what is great is that, that the core of that team himself and Harry McNulty and Jordan Conroy have been there for, you're talking six, seven years now. And they're all leaders, you know. But to have Terry Kennedy back there is, he's the Lucy Mulhall of, of, the, of the, the, men's, the men's team. You know, he makes everything tick and he's just, He's on, you know, he's on a level of, of sevens players that, like the likes of Ben Collins over the years, and, and, and that I can think of that. The teams, the, you, you're automatically a try better when he's mm-hmm. in the team, you know. Yeah. And he's such a brilliant organizer, um, as, as well as just being ridiculously skilled. And it's just great to see him back for what hopefully will be the run into to winning this competition and getting into the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, you, you can see the confidence in them when they're playing. I mean, literally in today's two matches, it was a case of when Ireland had possession, they'd score. Um, when the opposition, with one exception, like you say, it was an awesome, one awesome Italy try, loads of offloads. But every other time, we turn it over and then score. It was just there. there. And at one stage, um, we were already 31-7 up against Italy. And there was one stage when uh, young Dylan O'Grady, I think he's a Leinster yeah. uh, Academy guy. Um, he, uh, he just, he did, the, the, the ball went out wide. And I think there was a misunderstanding between himself and Dardis and the ball went into touch and Dardis absolutely bollocked him out of it. Uh, you know what I mean? It's, it, it's that, that that's the standards that they've set um, for, for, so it's obviously a good, good atmosphere and they, they are good to attitude to have. And um, it's obviously James Topping, the head coach. Yeah. There got a culture there of um, they're, they're, they're there to win it. And that's, that's the mission they're on. Yeah. I know, I know Topper's pretty well and he's, he's, he's a top man. He's a good coach and he's, he's developed himself over the last few years. What I think you've got there is you've probably got about nine guys that are nailed down every tournament and he's experimented with maybe two or three other guys to see who's going to finalize that sort of Olympic selection, hopefully down the line. You know, as I said, you got the core, you got Dardis, McNulty, Kennedy back, Conroy. And if those guys are, what do you call it, bitching at them or just encouraging the younger fellas to do it right, it's because they want them to succeed. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a good environment to be around and, and, and fair play to the coaches and the RFU for getting it, getting yep. it better, getting it right. Yep, it's very good to see. And uh, like you say, they, they have a third match now tomorrow against Germany. I think it's at around one o'clock uh, Irish yeah. time. Um, I'll put the link in the program notes. Uh, it's uh, live streamed 
on uh, the Rugby Europe site. So you, you can check that out if you can. And then they'll move on to the knockout stages then um, after that. Okay, so um, let's now move on to uh, the, the main thing we want to talk about here. It's the, um, the World Rugby Under-20s uh, Championship taking place in South Africa at the moment. Um, Ireland had their first match um, against England at uh, Parle Gymnasium um, Stadium. The, the weather was supposed to be, um, there's been a lot of rain about the place, but it, it cleared up in time uh, for, for our match. So it was, it, it was on Saturday Saturday lunchtime, our time, and uh, it finished a really exciting 34-all draw. Like, what, what did you make of it all? As I don't know if you were watching that on Virgin, if they had the same commentary, but the commentary on YouTube from our South African friends was like saying, yeah, it's like kissing your cousin. Um, mm-hmm. And I can kind of get that that adage because with 15 minutes gone in the second half we thought we were in to get a shellacking ourselves England had pulled ahead we were looking very physical very powerful um, and not without any any skillful play themselves I thought at the end of the day and then our comeback sort of midway through the second half um, after what I would say a, a very lucky yellow card for England possibly could have been more yeah. talk about that in a second you know you could see Ireland playing their patterns a bit better um everything going through Prendergast and, and Fenton Gunn who I thought both had had really good games within the the game Sam's boot maybe we, we'll have a chat about that as well but um at under 20s level I think Richie Murphy said it and Mark Mapletoff said it as well momentum is huge even probably more so in in the senior game because there's bigger swings in the under-20s and we've seen it during the Six Nations where France were on top of Ireland for a long time when Ireland came back. England were on top of Ireland for a while and came back. Wales were on top of Ireland, but Ireland came back. They just couldn't pull it out here in the end and probably that, that will come with experience when these guys get more game management, as, as, as we like that phrase. You know, could Ireland have kick the corners a bit more with 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 a 12 point lead hard in those conditions because the wind was was fairly fairly flattened to the faces so you know cards played a big played a big impact in the second half of this game um i'd say Ireland were probably slightly disappointed only being 5 points ahead at half time um you know that that was a big old wind probably you know old school parlance is a 12 15 point lead that you needed and England, England showed they probably played the conditions a little bit better than Ireland did. Um, I think Ireland's skill set is still a little bit better than England's at the moment. But the power game England have when they want to turn it on is very, very impressive. Uh, the number eight, who was at London Irish, is now signed for Quinns, is um, is certainly one to watch. And um, I know a lot of people didn't take too kindly to, to Chesham's language at the end of it, but the guy's a, a nightmare. He's a guy you want in your team not to play against because he's a big old lump. He, he sets the tone as, as captain as well. And, you know, there's there's a certain Martin Johnson about him um, in terms of how he deals with his own players and deals with referees. And I thought he was excellent. Um, all in all, 34 all is probably a fair result for both teams. In what is a very, very tough group. You know, Australia are always good. Um and I know it was a bit of a cricket score, basketball score, sorry, in their game against Fiji. So, you know, it's four days, I think. It's a Thursday we're playing Australia. Yep. You know, England won't have it easy against Fiji. They'll probably come out on top as well. I, I think Ireland have to beat Australia 
by probably 15 points to, to come out of that group because I can't see the second best place team coming out of that group. Mm. Um, some guys put their hands up, but I thought they, the, the, the match adjudicators and whoever was giving man of the match got it spot on with, with, with Finton Gunn. I thought he had a, a cracking game. Yep. And, I, and I know a lot of press has been given about Sam Prendergast, but you know, I think Finton Gunn's is real deal as well. Well, let's talk about let's talk about Sam for a bit. Um, I mean, uh, uh, anyone who watched that game will obviously. It's hard not to mention the four, was it four, uh, four missed yeah. conversions. So that's that's eight points right there. Even one of them um, would it would have made a big difference. So obviously there was a confidence thing, but it's not. I mean, you know that's. That's something that can be fixed. I mean, look who his coach is now, Richie Murphy. I mean, he's had a lot of experience, uh, yeah. co- you know, being kicking coach to the best in the game. Um, so I wouldn't worry so much about that. But just in his general play, uh, both with and without the ball, I mean, he did he did impress on the day. Usually a player, and we've seen it many a time at senior level, where you miss your first two or three or four kicks, it affects the rest of your game. Mm-hmm. The perfect example of this, and I'll throw one out of the bag, is the European Cup final, the Heineken Cup final of 2000, when O'Gara couldn't hit a cow's backside with a banjo, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And it affected the rest of his game. You know, he had a poor game. There's an innate confidence in Sam Prendergast and his abilities. He's six foot three, six foot two. He'll fill out that frame, you know, a little bit more. Like we know his, his older brother isn't exactly a behemoth, but he's still a big man. But, One's a flanker, one's a 10. You know, how many turnovers did we have because Prendergast has no problem stepping into that defensive line, putting his body on the line? I still like to see him tackle a little bit lower. Yes. With, with, with the new, with the newer laws in the last couple of years, he's, he's playing with fire there. Um, but what impresses me most is just his, his calmness and his composure in attack. Everything good that we did went through him, you know. He, he seems to know his role at every breakdown, at every phase, which, which, which just instills confidence. And then his try was brilliant to run through an eight and a six and just go, right, lads, I'm having you five yards out. I'm a fly half, but I'm just going to take on the two biggest back rowers that they've got and take them with him. Like it wasn't like they, they, they nearly stopped him. He, he was getting over the line. No problem. Um, Again, people are saying don't don't get too hyper, hyper give him too much hyperly, hyperbole. I, I I can't give the kid enough credit. I, I think he's someone very exciting to watch, and hopefully he gets a shot with Leinster next year. I think he's ready. You know, uh, this is we've had cases where we've held players back before, and sometimes they sink or swim. You know, Gordon Darcy started off fairly young sank for a while but then eventually became one of our best swimmers O'Driscoll took to it like a duck to water you know players that I, I think I played my sort of era Jordy Murphy was that good at 18-19 as well play him yep play him play him you know yeah. he'll, only, he'll only get better he'll only get better with better players around him as well yeah, I mean, it's easy. It's easy to say that you don't want to you you don't want to be uh, too give too much praise to the youngsters at this level. But then, on the other hand, it's it's different for different 
people and he he you know we can only go on what we've seen and we saw we saw in the under 20s with the grand slam but also for leinster that time in those couple of matches down in south africa that he's uh he's he's a confidence kind of player he is you know especially in open play um you know he does he does seem to have some issues with the boot but there's time to fix all that not just not just in the place kick he's had a couple of kicks out of the hand and stuff that that may not have gone as far as he liked but that's all stuff that can be worked on and um like you say that there's only one way to fix it is that by going back out in the pitch and uh, and playing and like you say hopefully next season um with the world cup team away as well there'll be chances for him to get some game time in the in the blue jersey maybe a few home matches as well and and, uh, it you know could could definitely stand to him and you know don't forget Finton Gunn as well like I mean like you say they they, they do seem to be a good uh, a good pairing yeah you've got like the the set move where where we went two phases right and then Gunn kicked back for for the flanker on the wing um, excellently executed but but Gunn I don't I don't care if I offend any monster people Gunn just looks like a, a better version of Craig Casey to be honest with you I think he's got more to his game. Yeah, I, I came out of that. I mean, you, you don't want to bring the Leinster Monster thing into it too much, but I did come out of that game thinking that uh, down the line, we're going to have a lot of uh, Gunn, Casey, Prendergast, Crowley debates um, uh, in the in the future, uh, I think maybe for the, for, for, for the Ireland jersey. And, and what a lot of fun that will be. As as you'll have arguments with Ruan Quinn and Culhane and... Yeah. It's a great... And, it's it's know, what you, you know, want. You, know, you want you know, to be having these... Uh, Tierney and O'Connell, and these are the things you want to you want to have. You know, Ulster have a great back rower and McNabby there. You hope to see him get some game time as well for 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 the the Northern Province when when the World Cup is on. You know, there's the difference between the England and Ireland teams yesterday. Everybody, a lot of people were commenting, "Oh wow, they look like monsters," and I'm like, "Yeah," but we beat them. We've beaten them for the last few years. We should have beaten them on Wednesday, or sorry, yes, Saturday. Saturday. Um, then again, I'm sure England would have said they should have won the game, the game as well. Um, I think the two cards needed needed review. Yep. Um, the, the Ireland card, no problem. Stonewall red, Stonewall red for me. Um, this was Hugh Cooney uh, towards Hugh the Cooney. end. Yeah, yep. yeah, and Hugh Cooney is. I don't know who his replacement is, but Hugh Cooney has been. Excellent for the last seven, eight games for Ireland uh, through that Grand Slam. Doesn't look the quickest, doesn't look the strongest, doesn't look the flashiest, but he always makes the right decisions. And he's always there as a sport player um, on people's shoulders. And, you know, there's been great times for Ireland to play the ball out the back. Kudos to Paddy McCarthy for a lovely little slip out the back for for, for the the try. But the two centres click so well. Um, Prendergast always knows that he's got an outlet with both of those centres um, to take some pressure off him if, if needs be um, and he'll be a massive loss yeah. massive loss but I thought I thought the TMO probably didn't get the right angles or the, the angle you could see there was one shot as per production problems in every country there was one shot where you saw both the England 8 and 7 both hit shoulder to head Mm-hmm. Which, if you're going to go, if one does it and the other does it, you heard Gus McCarthy going to the referee and said, why isn't it two yellow cards? Because it was a simultaneous um, hit on the head. Um, never seen it before, but doesn't mean it shouldn't happen if it's mm-hmm. the correct decision. Um, but during that 10-minute period, Ireland looked good. They went at England. And then when England had the numbers up, they went at Ireland. So, yeah. 
you know, you know, Taylor. Yeah, that Taylor was the one that was, a, it, was it was a yellow for a, their their flanker, for Greg Fizzalow. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, that was that 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 definitely looked bad. Especially, you know, and we're thinking of this like just a few hours earlier, we'd seen that in the Super Rugby final as well, and and yeah. it, it, was, it was still fresh in the mind. And and uh, and on the Hugh Cooney, it was interesting that you said you don't know who's going to replace him because. Uh, in our last pod uh, a week ago, we had a ball handling hooker on. And he spends a lot of time studying the under twenties. He knows a lot about their forms and yeah. uh, he follows them closely. And uh, the one thing he actually said coming out of that about the Irish squad is that we've good replacements in pretty much every position, yeah, except for Hugh it. Cooney. Yeah, and uh, it's, why, the, it's why I mentioned it because yeah, he's yeah, the was, one was... guy that um, that. Uh, so you can have a listen back. Uh, people can have a listen back. Maybe he talks about the the, the wider squad and our chances. And uh, so hopefully and. Talking about what's coming up next. I mean, these under twenty championships. The thing, one feature of them, if you can call it a feature, is the short turnaround times. It's like a five day uh, for for everyone. Now everyone plays in the same day. It's the same, it's the same conditions for every team. But you really got to be careful with your uh, with your squad rotation. And like you say, they've got Australia coming up next. They had a, um, like you say, they had a bit, there was 46 37 win over Fiji. Um, they had a red card themselves as well. They had a prop yeah. sent off. Uh, Marley Pierce was sent off. So they'll be looking at, uh, the, they'll have to make uh, big decisions as well. But um, the, I think the, the feature of this under 20s thing is that we can say, oh, God, you know, New Zealand are strong. South Africa, the home team are strong. England are strong. France, blah, 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 all this strong. But the fact of the matter is, like, so are Ireland. And Ireland is up there with all these teams. But this strong, means they do have to get a good result to get out of the the the, the pool into the semifinals but they they're, they're definitely in contention whatever they do there's the the old school uh irb top level teams have really come on um scotland that i haven't seen too much of they were pretty poor in six nations Wales seem to be building some. There was a good result for Wales against New Zealand. They only lost by a point. It's probably the best they've played in a long time. It'll be interesting to yeah. see how consistent they are. But as as the commentators were saying yesterday, England go into this tournament ranked fifth. Ireland are actually ranked eighth, despite being Grand Slam champions. You know, so that's why we're in that group with mm. Australia and the, you know. Yeah, it's because managed- of COVID. They're based on the last time they had a yeah yeah tournament. Yeah. 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 So so we're going to. It's not, there's no easy game. There's no gimme in this at all. You know, Fiji scored some cracking tries. They're a typical Fijian team. Will we be fitter than them? I think we probably will. But is it good? Is it going to be? We match up quite well against Australia, similar type teams, both looking to move the ball, not as, as physically large, say, as the South African or English packs. Um, but as you said, it's great to have to have both the senior men's and the, and the under 20s. Uh, in the mix here, um, come World Cup time, um, it's the, the one or two players who they've lost from the Six Nations to this. I think Colhane just just knits that pack together. Mm. I think McNabby's better six, you know, and, and those subtle little differences are probably the difference between us beating England in in um, Musgrave and drawing this time, you know, and and, and that's the way it goes, you know. Um, a positive result against Australia gives us a massive, massive chance. Um, but you know, we can't we can't look any further than next Thursday. You got to got to got to do it there because because Fiji could pull a result out against England. You never know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's definitely something to look forward to. I think it's an earlier kickoff um, on Thursday for Ireland, so we'll be checking on that. We'll probably do a pod um, after that talk, to see seeing how that went. 
Okay, so that's great. One of the reasons, you know, we're 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 doing all this talk about super rugby and sevens and under twenties is we're just basically uh, counting down the time until we start talking about uh, the old World Cup, which is uh, taking place in um, September and October. Um, so we haven't, you know, it's been a while since the the training squad was named, um, but um, you know, we we haven't we haven't had John since. So I just thought uh, maybe ask for your thoughts on uh, on on how that squad looks to you. I think if. When, when we do the Lions panel, we always have a bit of fun and see how many people we can guess in this. I think, to be honest with you, most people probably would have guessed 95% of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm quite happy with the squad. Um, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you've got a red jersey or, or a white jersey supporting your province, maybe they're not too happy. Um, Farrell knows what he's doing. O'Connell knows what he's doing. History knows what he's doing. They know what they want. I know some people have said it's a very small squad compared to 54 that initially were in the Welsh squad. I know I almost got a call up to the Welsh squad because I went to Swansea <laughs> once. Um, but, you know, he know he knows the bulk of his squad. It's, there's 30, is it 33 that are going to <laughs> France? I would say 29 are nailed on. Maybe even 30. And the back three, back row... And, and does he take an extra scrum half? Does he take an extra fly half? They're the positions. You know, it, it, it's going to be down to small margins. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, is it, it, should he have taken 40, 45 for a nutritional camp? They've done that before and it hasn't worked. They've, they've, they've flogged them before under Eddie O'Sullivan and then we've all come up a cropper. Um, you know, I think Farrell knows what he's at, you know, who are we to question the Grand Slam winning coach, you know, who probably will be the Lions coach in, in, in a couple of years' time? Um, specifically, I think Lockman can count himself a little bit unlucky after, you know, I talk about one or two players, pick one player. Um, I think he's played better and more consistently when he's been fit than Kilcoyne. Um but Farrell has shown that he has picked on, not on form all the time. He's picked mm. on guys that have done the job for him. And as a coach, yeah. I, I, I get that, you know, form is temporary class is permanent sort of thing. But what Lockman showed me in the last sort of six months going down to South Africa against props who we would have considered to have his number in the scrum. And he more than held his own, you know, and, you know, I think I think the most unlucky player for me would be would be Jeremy Lockman. Um, the rest, zero problems with. To be honest with you, yeah, because I mean, a lot of the names that were bandied about um, that missed out, and you know, with, with that even bringing the provincial thing into it. But do you think, like, in terms of someone like Mike Haley or uh, John Kine, um, that that didn't that didn't make it? I mean, is it is it not more of a case of that when you're talking about players? If when you got players in that squad who are nailed on in their positions, especially if it's the back row or back three or maybe even second row, that he's looking for more versatile players that can that can you know like your Ryan Bears and stuff and players that can fill in and uh, Jimmy O'Brien's that can that can play different positions. That's better to have them in the squad. I mean, they're, they're, these players that are being left out are unlucky as well, and they can do a job and they've had good seasons. But um, is is that what he's looking for when you're talking about the squad? Uh, you know. 
at a club club level we are at, we can only pick eighteen. Never mind mm. select thirty three. Yeah, I'm never able to. I'm never able to pick my best eighteen players. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got to have a scrum half who covers wing. I've got to have a second row that covers back row. I've got to have a wing that can play center, or you know, you, you got to do that. That's what comes against both those players that you said. Hmm. Klein is a fine, tight head scrummage and lock, and he's a good mauler around the park. In terms of his handling, is he up to scratch for what Ireland want to play in terms of their pass and move sort of game? I don't think so. That goes against him. It always has. Similarly to Mike Haley, Mike Haley's a fine fullback, has had a good, very good season, but he can't play 13. He cannot play wing. He's not quick enough to do it. And it's every level you go up, certain players are ready for it. A la Jimmy O'Brien. You know, I think there's a couple of players. The argument, if I'm a Munster fan, is why isn't Haley in the squad and Stockdale is in the squad? You know, th- th- this is where I, c- I can actually see their arguments. Mm. Because, because although he was originally a fullback, Stockdale has shown nothing in either form for two and a half years. And people saying they're better are clutching at straws. He's, he's one guy who I think is very lucky to be there. More power to him. He has all the physical tools and he can score tries and he has the ability. But we haven't seen it for a very, very long time. And that's where people with Munster bias or Munster shirt, I don't mean bias, I mean, just naturally, they see guys um, like Nash and Daly cutting it up for the last six months and only one of them is being picked. You know, and Haley's doing really well. But does Haley have that next level physicality, game awareness, speed to be an international? You know, and I, I know people say you got to try them out. And I said, if, if sometimes if a coach just doesn't fancy it, he just doesn't fancy it. That's the way it is. But there's a couple of players in any squad. There's a couple of players can count themselves lucky. They may go in. They may set the world alight on camp, and hopefully they do. I wish every single player that's in camp the best of luck with injury first and foremost, with form second, that they get through. And they make Farrell's job very, very, very hard for those last four or five spots that, that you know, anybody with, rugby, with good rugby knowledge of, of recent years knows that he's got his sort of 25, 26, maybe up to 29 nailed on. And there's four, four or five guys, or, or sorry, there's about what... Um, 10 guys fighting for four positions, three positions. And that's the reality of the team. I'd much rather be in our position than in England's or Wales's. You know, Scotland are pretty settled, but England have had two camps now with almost entirely different personnel. That just baffles me. Um, and Wales, as we know, is a, is a walking disaster, which means they'll probably get to the final. Yeah, I mean, they've um, almost had more people pull out of their team than they than they have named. Yeah, yeah. Um, how they handled, as as a man of more husky variety, how they handled the uh, Reese Carey incident was disgraceful. Mm. Absolutely disgraceful. Oh, totally. totally. Like there isn't there isn't there isn't one person. I've not heard one person, be it a a journalist, a pundit, um, a blogger. Uh, you know, podcast people say the lad's out of shape. Mm. You know, like you don't go public with that. No, 
you don't go public with that. That will kill the kids. And he has some really good attributes. He's a very destructive ball carrier when he wants to be. He's always going to struggle with his fitness, but especially in an official statement from the of, yes, from the union official, like that, it's exactly. ridiculous. Yeah, an official statement so close to. It's one thing a journalist, anonymous sources are telling me this, blah, blah, blah. But uh, to put it yeah, in, in yeah, a graphic like you, that. Yeah, no one wails online. I wouldn't have put it down to one of them, you know, leaking it. Mm. You know, saying fat boy carry kicked out of the team, blah, 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 with their sensationalist headline. Mm. But as you said, for the WRU to come out and just go, you know, basically the guy needs to go into, as every club probably has, he needs to go into F club for another mm. six months and lose 10 kgs. Um Disgraceful, disgraceful. So, so going back to our, the makeup of the Ireland squad, one or two guys aside, much rather be in the position that we are in than than the other home nations are right now. Yeah, and yeah. Thank God. I'm sorry. Thank God, yeah. Mayafu is not allowed to play for France. I know that was a that was a big <laughs> that was a big plus, wasn't it? They're, yeah, they're, very. They're, they're big enough as it is. Very much so. Okay, well, listen, we're going to leave it there, man. Thanks, Amin. It's good to good. Good to see you. Good to have a, a chat uh, during the off season. Have some, and uh, definitely a lot of stuff to look forward to. So we'll look to have you on. Have have you on again soon to talk some more. Cheers. Look forward to it. Cheers, Matt. And uh, coming up next on Harper and Rugby, like I said, we're planning on having a pod at some stage after the under-20s play Australia, so stay tuned for that. Also, check out our social media channels and be sure to like, share, and subscribe wherever you can, especially on TikTok, please. Uh, give us an old follow there. We're very close to 500 followers, which is about 499 more than I thought we'd have when we started. Anyway, all the links can be found in the program notes. And until next time, stay safe, everyone. Salon.